Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, hello and welcome to episode 115 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, our Oscar watch is upon us. We are ticking movies off left and right. Um, and this week we're talking about another one that you had to tick off. I watched it back. I think I watched it the night that it came out. I was very excited to see this one, uh, but you hadn't had a chance to watch it until recently. So what did we do? We picked up a six pack of Peroni. We sat down and we watched the new telling of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. We sure did. Um, And I have to say, you know, Pinocchio as a whole, it's kind of an interesting story, right? I mean, most people have seen the Disney version of it, um, but there there are a ton of other versions out there. And some of them are much darker than others. So probably the reason why I didn't watch it opening day was because I didn't know if it was going to be appropriate for kids, which sounds weird because it's kind of a children's story, but it's kind of not too. So... Yeah, I'm glad we uh, I'm glad we were able to watch this one together. Um, we uh, we did open some Peroni, but we also made the most amazing Pinocchio cocktail. I mean, this one, people of all listeners, I mean, <laughs> uh, you y'all need to make this cocktail because I remember taking the first sip and being like, "Holy moly, this is why we do this." <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is kind of a a recurring theme. Last year, we also uh, covered an animated uh, film that was nominated for uh, for Oscar for Best Animated uh, Picture when we talked about Encanto. And this one is the same Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio nominated for Best uh, Animated uh, Feature Film. So we definitely wanted to get together and chat about it. And yeah, definitely made up a good cocktail for it. So why don't we do this, Michaela? Let's take a quick break and we will be right back to whip up that cocktail and uh, make sure you make sure you stay tuned in, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, because this is a good one. We'll be right back. This is great. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This week's cocktail comes from winedharma.com and it takes its name from our favorite puppet wooden boy who steals Geppetto's heart. It's called the Pinocchio. And mm-hmm. um, I remember when we were looking at this, we were like, this is either going to be really great or it's going to be totally awful because <laughs> when we were looking Fair at the man. different ingredients, we could not decide if we thought these would mesh well or not. Um, and so this is a definitely, I think, a more involved cocktail. This is not uh, what I would say a, a Tuesday night cocktail is going to be. Um, right. mm-hmm. But I definitely think um, you should just listen um, and listen to our recommendations if you can't find certain things, because all of these pieces of the recipe 
play a really important part to the flavor profile. So you're not going to want to miss it. Yeah, for sure. And it it looks a little bit more daunting than it was. I mean, really, you only have to make uh, kind of two ingredients and the one is just a, a honey simple syrup. So that's pretty, pretty easy to make. So so really, it's just the one. Um, and yeah, this co- this cocktail, it came together. Um, it was amazing. Um, and very excited to talk about it. So let's uh, let's run through uh, the ingredients here for everyone uh, real quick. So into your shaker tin, you're going to be putting one and a half ounces of gin an eighth of a teaspoon, roughly, of some crushed up pink peppercorn. Uh, This calls for some lavender. Now, there's a couple of options here uh, in terms of your lavender. So lavender is like the little bush where they take the the little buds of that and they use it to make uh, perfume and soap and things in southern France. It's very beautiful. It's very perfumey. Uh, We used uh, lavender bitter, just a drop or two of that because we had that. You can also find lavender um, like in some tea blends, uh, things like that. So uh, you might want to try that. I don't know if like your flower shop would have like some dried lavender um, or you might be able to find it at like a specialty or health food store. Uh, so you're going to put in just a, a little bit of that. Like we said, we used a couple dashes of the lavender bitters and then a quarter teaspoon of turmeric uh, into the shaker tin. And then uh, this is where uh, it's going to get a little bit more involved, Michaela. Yeah. So to that, you are going to add half an ounce of honey syrup. And we've talked a little bit about how to make honey syrup. That is real simple. Um, It is honey and water, and you could do equal parts or two parts of honey, one part water, depending on how sweet you want it to be. And you reduce that down until it turns into kind of a simple syrup. And then you cool that. So half an ounce of that. And then half an ounce of lemon juice. we always go back and forth with our lemon juice. We try to have fresh lemons in the house. I really recommend for this particular drink to go ahead and have fresh lemon juice. But if you have uh, the kind that comes in a bottle, that's cool too. And then this half ounce of mango syrup that uh, sounds delicious and it was real delicious, uh, but that took a little bit more doing than what what, uh, I'm used to. So Brian, how did you make the mango syrup? Yeah, so on uh, winedharma.com, they kind of uh, tell you that you can take a mango and uh, cut that up and strain it through like a sieve and let it sit overnight and then add some simple syrup into it. That sounded like a lot of work um, to me. So what I did was I went to the grocery store and they had some fresh pressed uh, mango juice just up there and uh, like the front section where they're starting to carry a lot of uh, fresh pressed juices and uh, things like that. So I grabbed a little bottle of that and then I I took it and I boiled it down uh uh, just a little bit by about half, roughly. I took a cup, got it down to about a half a cup, and then I added in um, just a little bit of simple syrup to that. So it made it uh, kind of sweet, kind of kind of umptious, and it kind of concentrated that mango flavor uh, just a little bit um, it, to where it's it's a little bit thicker than your regular juice. But but that was all I did. I just uh, I just simmered it for a little bit, just reduced it down, and then like I said, added just a little bit of uh, sugar into that to uh, sweeten it up just a touch, and then uh, you're good to go. Just uh, put that back into the bottle or into a jar, stick it in the fridge, and you're going to be ready to mix up quite a few of these cocktails because a little bit goes a long way, and this stuff is delicious. So like I mentioned, you throw all of that into your shaker tin, you shake it with some ice, you strain it out into a uh, rocks-filled ice glass. Uh, You can take a lemon peel and uh, kind of express that over the top and uh, then uh, drop that in and garnish and then sip away and enjoy. And Michaela, uh, we didn't know about the Pinocchio cocktail before, but I have to say, of all the cocktails we've made, we've made 115-ish cocktails now. 
This might have been uh, one of the fanciest, most luxurious ones I ever drank. Uh, I felt like I was at like a like a really nice restaurant with a really great cocktail menu. And I ordered this and they brought it to me and I was blown away. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was absolutely uh beautiful this i mean there are drinks that we make that we're like that's good but this is a beautifully crafted cocktail um i did it did feel fancy af it was very very beautiful and fancy i felt very bougie the the mango syrup we have got to uh next week on the lobby bar we should figure out what else to do with this mango syrup because it's so good um, just drink it from the bottle just <laughs> just, just drink the syrup right. is fine oh my gosh uh, I'll just give myself diabetes. It's fine. Um, it's so like uh, in English, in England, we would say Moorish. Like it's like you said, it's super sumptuous. And it's just with the with the turmeric, you think it's going to be really strange. Um, and it is, but it's so uh, perfect. I mean, this has the perfect level of acidity uh, mixed with the perfect level of sweetness. It coats your tongue really beautifully. The mouthfeel is great. Um, it's boozy enough, but it's not like knock you over boozy. So you can have a few of these if you want. Um, I'll tell you by the end of the first drink, I really wanted another just because it tasted so good. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, this was uh, absolutely um not what you thought it was, which is very symbolic of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, because you think that it's going to be one thing and then you go deeper into watching the film and it turns out to be something that is really sumptuous and beautiful and very well balanced um, and not at all what you were expecting. So um, uh, I think you're right. I think this is definitely going to go in our top 10 when we do our year recap. Uh, mm -hmm. This is going to be number one, I think, on the list of, of uh, surprises from a cocktail perspective this year. Um, I really, uh, challenge and encourage all of our listeners to go and make this and, uh, give it a shot because, uh, number one, you can absolutely make this cocktail. This is, uh, looks really fancy and bougie, but it is an every man's cocktail. If, if I can make it, anybody can make it. And we, we made it and we, it was perfect. <laughs> we, we made it and we drank it. Yeah, it was, it was really good. We made, um, we made ours with gin, of course, uh, as it's uh, mentioned there, we made a vodka one for your husband who doesn't appreciate gin. We also thought this would be really good with like a silver tequila, um, Blanco tequila. I uh, would be really good in this one too. So definitely, definitely give this one a try. And if you're having trouble tracking down the mango, maybe you want to go a little bit simpler, uh, Michaela. So if you're looking for a good Pinocchio, uh, mocktail or cocktail, you know, we mentioned that we were having some Peroni on this. Uh, so what can, what can you do? You can take some some Italian uh, sparkling lemonade. Uh, I've got one right here from San Remo. Uh, just an Italian uh, sparkling lemonade. You can add that to some Peroni. You can make a traditional uh, shandy, I believe is what they're called, pretty much all around the world, except for in Germany, they call them a Rattler. Uh, but shandy is really good, and you could totally make a mocktail version of a shandy by uh, combining the lemonade with another uh, sparkling uh, like Italian soda or a French soda or even like an American. There's all these fancy sodas now uh, that yeah. are coming. Um, so you could definitely do that. I made one with the lemonade and a blood orange. Uh, it was really delicious. And, you know, just kind of the the couple of ingredients there. So so grab that. Uh, you know, that's a that's a nice kind of a easy way to get a, a good cocktail or a good mocktail. And while you're walk, watching Pinocchio and you might have some kids uh, watching along with you. Uh, we did not. This one uh, takes a little bit of a turn for uh, darker stories. But as Guillermo del Toro said when he accepted the Golden Globe for Best Animated Feature Film, uh, this movie uh, is for kids, but they just might need 
uh, you to kind of explain some things to them. And uh, yeah, couldn't agree more. So why don't we do this, Michaela? We've got our drink made. We're going to go make like another like four or five of these um, to get into this thing for sure. So we're going to take a quick break. We will mix up a couple of those and we'll be right back to talk about this week's film, Pinocchio. Spoiler warning for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. If you've not yet seen this film, that's okay because it just came out. But we are going to talk about all the things and it's different than some of the other Pinocchios you may have seen. So you should definitely watch it or press pause, go make yourself up a Pinocchio cocktail because that is amazing. And while you're sipping that, uh, go watch the movie. It is available on Netflix now and you can come back and we can chat about all things Pinocchio. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And my favorite part about movies being on Netflix is you can totally have a cocktail and watch the movie because you don't have to absolutely. drive anywhere. You you just go to your couch and you can have this. It's not it's, seventeen dollars to get one amazing. either. It's great. That's right. It's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your Netflix, uh, your Netflix uh, subscription uh, may beg to beg to differ there. But yeah, came out on Netflix uh, 2022, uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro, obviously, uh, and Mark Gustafson, who is the uh, animation uh, director here. Because if you don't know, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is a stop motion animated masterclass. It's gorgeous. Um, this one stars David Bradley as Geppetto, it, uh, the man that makes the little wooden boy. Ewan McGregor as Cricket, the heart and conscious of the wooden boy, and Gregory Mann is playing uh, Pinocchio, the little wooden boy himself. So as I mentioned, Michaela, this was nominated for Best Animated Feature Film. Um, It won the Golden Globe. It was also nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Score and Best Original Song for Alexander Desplat. Uh, But Best Animated Feature Film. Uh, what do you think? We'll talk more about the films that are nominated. Uh, we have our own kind of darling in this category. I've, I think I've seen all of these now. Um, they're all really good. All the animated films this year are excellent. So I definitely recommend checking them out, but I don't know this, this to me feels like it has all of the, all of the makings of a, of a Oscar winner to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not my favorite of the ones that were nominated because as you said, you know, we have, we have our own favorites um, and, and that's fine. Um, but it's really hard to argue with uh, this being kind of the winner. And for those of you who are fairly new to drink the movies, um, we do an Oscars, you pick them. And so uh, you should definitely get on board for that uh, because the winner gets some cool stuff, but we have a ongoing sort of competition between myself and Brian about who's going to win. Um, I-, I think the Oscars are definitely, I mean, I think Guillermo del Toro is definitely going to take this one home. Um, but let's talk about the reasons why it was nominated in the first place. I mean, Guillermo del Toro is very famous for like really dark, visually stunning things, but I don't think he's ever done an animated feature film before. So um, I got to say, when I first saw that this was happening, I was um, intrigued, but also like, oh gosh, how dark and 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 <laughs> awful um, is he going to make the story? Because if you've seen uh, Guillermo del Toro's work, he's done things that are... Uh, uh, very dark, right? He did Pan's Labyrinth, which is a really beautiful yet incredibly sad story. Um, he mm-hmm. did Nightmare Alley, which is a very dark uh, tale, also visually very cool, but very dark. Um, you know, I remember uh, seeing Mimic. Mimic was one of the first things he ever did. It came out in like 1997, and that's like super terrifying and s- s- strange and um, just... So, you know, with with a with a movie that's supposed to be kind of a children's story, I was like, hmm, I was both intrigued and 
kind of hesitantly scared to watch it because you never know, you know? And- yeah, that yeah, that's fair for sure. Because uh Pinocchio, like you said, it does have kind of these uh uh darker uh leanings, uh darker tendencies. And Pinocchio is based on a book. It was actually um a bunch of short stories that Carlo Collati uh did back in the um the early uh, 1880s uh, like 1883 had done these short stories and then uh, the character became so popular he continued on uh, writing some more of those and then ultimately collected them into a book that we now know as the adventures of Pinocchio but uh, those stories if you go back and read them uh, kind of like a lot of the fairy tales and things of of that time were pretty dark <laughs> you know uh, just just uh, just in general um, if you go back and read any of like those uh, Disney-fied uh, you know uh, fairy tales uh, those definitely have some darker undertones and and so does this so yeah when Guillermo del Toro said that he wanted to do kind of his adaptation of Pinocchio, he didn't really know how dark it was going to get. Um, and this project was a long time in the works. Uh, he announced that he wanted to do it back in like 2009, and then it uh, kind of went in and out of development, and then uh, finally came out uh, just this year, 2022. So uh, let's talk about the movie a little bit. Um, okay, we've got it broken down into four parts, and we're getting this thing started off with uh, Geppetto. Uh, he is a uh, woodworker. Uh, he's making uh, all sorts of things. Looks like he makes some toys. He makes some shoes. He makes some clocks. He's making a crucifix for the church. He does it all. And he has uh, the love of his life is his son, uh, Carlo. And they're just going along. Uh, Carlo finds a nice looking pine cone. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you have to find the most perfect pine cone, says Geppetto. That's right. Um, I love the symbolism behind the pine cone. Um his son Carlo actually uh, finds this perfect pine cone and he carries it with him because the pine cone uh, is kind of a symbolism of life and you want to find the most perfect thing. And Geppetto certainly feels that Carlo is the perfect son. Um, and it's interesting, this time there's a shift in time because I think it, like the original Pinocchio was set uh, way before this, but this is set in Italy during World War One. And mm-hmm. so Geppetto's working on creating this really uh, beautiful um, cro- crucifix cross uh, depiction of uh, Jesus on the cross for this church. And um, it is around this time that the city, the little town that they live in, is bombarded by this aerial bombing um, uh, of, I, I guess it's the Austro-Hungarian forces. Um, I don't know enough about the history to know kind of all the ins and outs of what that means, but they, there's a bombing and it, they bomb the actual church and Geppetto is, uh, comes out of it unscathed, but his poor son, Carlo, uh, is stuck in the church and ends, ends up dying. Um, but Geppetto ends up, uh, using this pine cone that he finds and burying it at, Carlo's headstone. Um, and over time we see kind of that a tree begin to grow and become very tall as Geppetto kind of grieves for his son over this course of time. And you get the feeling watching this uh, again, it's absolutely beautiful. And, and visually this, the stop motion photography is just stellar. Um, but you get the feeling Geppetto was not a young man to begin with. He was not a young Mm -hmm. dad. And so now he's like freaking ancient. Um, and, uh, you know, Carlo was kind of his reason and his purpose, uh, for what we felt like were his later years. And now he's incredibly old and sad. Um, he doesn't do much woodworking anymore. The town kind of has, um, uh, kind of, given him space in which to survive but not to certainly he's not thriving and he's certain and not moved on in any way 
Yeah, absolutely. It's been some uh, decades of grieving there marked by uh, the growth of that tree. And I really like kind of the inclusion of uh, this pine cone being kind of this this driving factor. And, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, spoiler warnings, what, you know, kind of cost Carlo uh, his life is that errant bomb uh, hits the church. But Pinocchio um, in Italian uh, means uh, pine cone or pine nut. Uh, so that's kind of kind of where that comes from. And it's it's beautifully being narrated kind of this entire story uh, by Cricket. Uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, who is absolutely excellent, uh, kind of in this this role, you know, providing some uh, a little bit of uh, levity um, at times, but also has kind of this uh, somberness about him. I mean, the man is Obi Wan Kenobi. How can you argue with that? So uh, we're we're carrying on here, as you mentioned, Geppetto. Um, we are marching through time, uh, kind of as we go. One night, uh, Geppetto has kind of had his fill of this. Uh, you know, the the years and years of mourning, uh, poor Carlo, have finally gotten the best of him. You know, he has tried to, to remain faithful. He has tried to remain as a good man. But ultimately, he lost his son. He was never kind of able uh, to give up on that. And one night, one drunken night, Geppetto uh, takes an axe out to that tree uh, that stands there um, kind of in uh, symbolism of everything that he lost and decides that he wants to do away with the tree. Um, he's going to get rid of it. Um, maybe we can uh, fashion that into some sort of uh, Carlo uh, replacement. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't think that that's really what his what his kind of intentions were. I think it was it was more of just kind of a a fit of rage, just angry at the world, which is understandable. Yeah, completely. I mean, um, we learn from this anthropomorphic cricket, Sebastian J. Cricket. He he was actually in. He was living in the tree when Geppetto was cutting it down. Um, and as part of this comedic relief that has to happen throughout the film, because it's pretty, it can be pretty heavy at times. Um, I love that uh, Sebastian J. Cricket never really dies. Um, he can get squashed mm -hmm. and he can get, uh, you know, uh, he gets squashed a lot by things, right? Falling on him or, um, but he ends up being like, oh, the pain, the pain of living. And of course it's in um, Ewan McGregor's like super rich, uh, loving voice. Um, so he he's kind of watching this unfold and <clears throat> the room in which uh, the cricket was living is now this space uh, in uh, Pinocchio's heart, like because mm -hmm. he makes this wooden boy, it's kind of a puppet. Um, and he, you know, he's he's very drunk. Uh, he passes out. He hasn't finished it yet. yet. Um, but he's he, you know, he's done. And then this, I don't, this weird blue. It, really, we got to talk about this blue fairy thing because it's this blue humanoid being it's, that kind of. It's shows a wood up. sprite. It's a wood sprite. Sorry, it's a wood sprite. But if you'll recall, like in in some of the older different versions, you know, it's a blue fairy that's like sweet and pretty and and looks like you know your mom, like just a very loving like sing singing character. Yeah, this wood sprite, uh, not 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 that. Uh, not a bad thing, <laughs> just not that, right? It's it. Uh, the wood sprites played by uh, uh, Tilda Swinton plays the plays the wood sprites, and and yeah, it's it's less um, angelic, I guess, than yeah. than what what you would see like in like in the Walt Disney uh, animated uh, Pinocchio. It, it's more kind of kind of ethereal and spiritual, I guess, um, looking. Uh, but this wood sprite uh, comes into the house and uh, basically has. Um, you know, agreed to kind of bless uh, this uh, this uh, wooden puppet to bring it to life. And uh, the Wood Sprite tasks um, Sebastian J. Cricket uh, with kind of being the uh, the 
overseer, the caretaker, the conscious uh, for this uh, little wooden boy that's about to come to life. And in exchange, Cricket is going to to get his wish. Now, and now Cricket at the offset, uh, he's an aspiring writer. You know, just just like all of us, wants to have a best selling selling book. He thinks, okay, I can I can take care of Pinocchio. I'll get my I'll get my book out there. Uh, it'll go on uh, Oprah's uh, must read list, and, and that'll do that'll do for me. But she, uh, the Wood Sprite, uh, agrees to bring Pinocchio uh, to life, um, and that kind of gets us started. So now with uh, you know those wood sprites bringing uh, the wooden puppet uh, Pinocchio to life, um, Geppetto is left with not a replacement for Carlo, um, not a stand-in for Carlo, but someone else to take care of and potentially be a father to um, if he can if he can wrap his head around that. Right, and I think this is really tough. Uh, this is as a parent where, where I think it was really tough to watch because. You know, at the beginning, he's saying things like, can you be like Carlo? Carlo was so nice and Carlo was so sweet. But Carlo and Pinocchio don't look the same because Pinocchio is made of wood. So things that matter to Carlo don't matter to Pinocchio and vice versa, right? You cannot replace another person with some with another person. Like You can't, you just, mm -hmm. that's not how it works. And I think that while Geppetto's character knows that, he also doesn't really understand it. And certainly the town doesn't understand it because Pinocchio doesn't look the same and he doesn't act the same and um, he's not the same person. And so, you know, the the town that extended so much grace in his uh, in his grief and Geppetto's grief is now saying like, well, you I mean, of course, the priest is like you could have been working on this beautiful crucifix and helping rebuild the church. But instead, you make yourself a boy like, what are you doing? Right. And um you know, unsurprising there, but um, Geppetto, you know, there's a kind of this tentative relationship that starts to be built and he, you know, says, well, you've got to start going to school. You're going to have to, you know, do things that a real boy does. And Pinocchio is kind of inner, he's, he's caught in this space because he just wants to be loved and he wants to do the right thing. And he thinks that he wants to be like Carlo because, Everybody wants him to be like Carlo because Carlo left such this this such such a big hole. But at the same time, Pinocchio is not Carlo. He's his own kind of entity and own person, and the things. Uh, and so he's really struggling with what he should do versus who he really is. Yeah, and there's this really kind of kind of sweet line and uh, sentiment where um, Geppetto um, has basically called out Pinocchio for not being enough like Carlo and uh, being a burden on him. And then uh, Pinocchio has kind of this you know, kind of back and forth with uh, Cricket as to what is a burden and why is he a burden and why do people or fathers say things that they don't necessarily mean in the moment, right? You are saying things out of anger, not out of out of love. And only with time do you come to come to realize uh, that. So so in a way, Pinocchio is, um, like I said, he's not being a stand in for Carlo, maybe even though that's what Geppetto really wishes that he was. But over time, uh, they're both going to kind of be able to come to this understanding that, um, you know, you can never have a stand in for Carlo or uh, insert a child or pet or relative or friend here. Um, it's, but that doesn't make, you know, that that person or um, experience any less, uh, you know, important and special um, in the life. And that's kind of the lesson that we're going to be getting uh, throughout this thing. And, 
how do you learn that lesson, Michaela? You learn it by losing something that maybe you didn't even think that you wanted in the first place, right? Pinocchio's, he's kind of a nuisance. All he wants to do is drink hot chocolate, put his feet by the fire, uh, which, you know, burn off, and then you have to make his feet like a hundred times. Uh, so that's, that's no good. That's no good. Um, so, so what do you do? You have to, you have to go to school. You know, Carlo went to school, you go to school, you be good at school. Uh, you also have the uh, Podesta, who's like the, the mayor slash judge and ruler of this town i guess the uh, podesta is a, an italian word for a kind of, kind of like caretaker of of your uh, community i guess you're kind of the the most important person kind of like the mayor of your town uh so mm. to speak and podesta uh he has his eye on pinocchio he said you know mm, a little weirded out by this uh, little wooden wooden boy but uh send him to school make him make him learn things uh he can be uh, an asset to our society and maybe he can be an asset to Mussolini's uh Italy as those gears start working oh yeah yeah there's this whole work boy camp thing that occurs and so uh, which was a real thing uh, for anybody that doesn't know there was a whole uh, your boys would go and fight for Italy at like the age of eight they would go and start learning how to do all those things um, dealing with war during World War One um, which was pretty 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 much a downer that whole part of this movie is a real downer but um, yeah the Podesta he has his ideas of what he wants to do um, and then we also meet this really awful character Count Volpe who is, is um Played by the amazing uh, Christoph Waltz. Mm, oh my mm -hmm, gosh. Mm -hmm. Does he ever play a nice guy, Christoph Waltz? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he's, so. He's amazing. It's like we need we need someone that is like inherently evil and yet has like a, a velvet voice. Got the guy for you, Christoph Waltz. Uh one of one of the best actors in, in all of Germany. I think he's just he's just amazing. Anyway, um he uh, Count Volpe is like this aristocrat turned showman guy who's like, hey, uh, I really like this, uh, you know, uh, a puppet with no strings. Can he sing? Can he dance? I bet we could I bet we could take this on the road and we can make a ton of money. And as we all know, Geppetto hasn't been working really a lot for the last 20 years. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, Pinocchio is caught because he wants to be helpful. He just wants to be useful to his dad and he thinks that if he's useful enough to his dad then his dad will love him count uh, volpe really kind of kind of preys on pinocchio right he can see that uh, pinocchio is kind of kind of wide-eyed and uh starstruck by this he uh you know he, he's a little kid of course so he loves the attention um and things like that you know he's he's playing out as as a real little boy would be and then yeah pinocchio sees this as potentially an opportunity to make some make some money for the family right he he agrees to do it he'll be the headliner of this kind of traveling circus sort of a show as long as you send you know my share of the money back to my dad Geppetto, uh, maybe that will make me be not a burden anymore as that theme kind of kind of keeps uh, carrying on uh, through this thing as Pinocchio is really just trying to uh, to do his best so that Geppetto sees him as uh, not a hindrance anymore. Right, right. And I think that th that whole idea that is played out in this kind of cartoon um, is what makes it so special because while he is gone while Pinocchio is gone. Geppetto immediately um, feels uh, horrible. He's like, he doesn't know where he is and he knows that he's not with the work camps. Um, so the Podesta is all upset because he can't find him. Um, but he's like, where, where did he go? And of course, Count Volpe didn't send any money. So he doesn't send any word saying, you know, my, this is where 
your son is. And so he, Geppetto kind of starts to go on this search and he feels very guilty. And, um, you know, is, is he, I think he even says, he says, why did I, why did I say these things? Why did I do these things? And it goes back to say to that whole theme of when you, as a parent, you'll say things that you don't really mean, but they have this lasting effect on both the child that you're mm-hmm. saying it to, and also yourself, because you know now that you didn't mean those things, that you were angry, and you're saying it to someone who is going to internalize it, and then you are internalizing it yourself later. And so it's just a, a, a kind of a bunch of parental regret that we see uh, in in this film. Uh, at least I saw because I'm a parent and I say things I regret all the time. So um, yeah, so it's this this part of the film was really tough because Geppetto's kind of one step behind Pinocchio every time. And it's a re- really beautiful montage. There's this one scene where it's raining and he's pulling down um, old posters and he sees that his um like he's pulling out uh, he's uncovering Mussolini posters uh seeing that his son had been here just the week before it, mm-hmm. it looks like maybe just a couple of days before and so he's kind of on his heels on uh Count Volpe's heels but he never quite get to him uh gets to Pinocchio uh in time and that part's really sad um yeah that yeah, that's right. Because as kind of the story is playing out of, you know, Pinocchio's, uh, you know, journey of him not wanting to be, um, you know, a burden to his father, he's not able to see that, you know, Geppetto has, you know, really started to take remorse and is traveling, you know, with Cricket trying to find uh, where Pinocchio is going as they're traveling, uh, you know, kind of across the Italian uh, countryside trying to uh, catch up with this carnival. Uh, but the carnival makes its final stop. They're going to be performing for uh, Mussolini, uh, who... Uh, you know, uh, Pinocchio does does the best thing ever. Uh, basically, uh, <laughs> tells tells uh, Mussolini uh, what a giant turd he is, and uh, indeed, good job on you, uh, Pinocchio. I really like he kind of choreographs this with uh, Spatatura, who is the little uh, monkey in the in the sideshow there with uh, Count Volpe. Uh, the Spatatura is voiced by uh, Kate Blanchett of all people. Um, Spatatura can only really speak through these other uh, puppets, so it's really kind of neat to see Pinocchio interacting with these other uh, puppets. The Spatatura um, is uh, is kind of controlling and talking to him uh, through that way. But yeah, we have uh, kind of this uh, last uh, last show. Uh, in front yeah. of Mussolini, it doesn't go that good. Uh, Mussolini says, I don't like that uh, puppet. Uh, shoot it. Uh, so they do. And we get kind of our first of these uh, little sections here that I that I really like that are handled very differently kind of in all of the Pinocchio uh, tellings. But uh, basically, Pinocchio is sent off to, I don't know, the River Styx or wherever uh, he's going, the afterlife, uh, basically. And you have these creepy rabbits that are uh, just there. They're playing poker. But Pinocchio can't die. He's not a real boy, right? Uh, he is a little wooden boy. And we meet um i don't even uh who plays the it's tilda swinton again (laughs) it's the sister of the blue weird looking wood sprite the wood sprite now it's not a wood sprite it's like the death wood sprite now it's (laughs) now it's the now it's the death sprite yeah but but she's there and she's uh, kind of imparting important lessons to pinocchio too like this section could be very scary and if you think Guillermo del Toro is going to send a little little wooden boy to uh you know to kind of this purgatory state you'd think that it would be pretty scary and visually it's it's a little bit scary uh but really the lessons are kind of uplifting um in a way almost you know she's teaching Pinocchio the importance of you know 
you know, you, you are going to outlive all of these people. Uh, but every time you die, you lose a little bit more time with them. So that's really kind of the important, important lesson. You need to, you know, you need to do good things and you need to uh, be nice to people and you need to listen and, uh, you know, do all, do all of those things, all of those lessons as little kids were taught, right? Because basically what she's saying is you get a limited amount of time uh, with these people. And every time right. you don't, you don't, you know, follow the rules, so to speak, you're losing a little bit of that time. And I, I really like um, kind of these, these sections, um, not necessarily for the darker tone, but um, just in kind of, kind of that lesson that she's imparting uh, to Pinocchio that I think you could only get maybe this way if you're a little wooden boy. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, at first he doesn't really, it doesn't really bother him that he's going to die, that he can die multiple times. Cause at first he's only gone for maybe a couple of minutes, you know, and, mm. uh, and he is kind of reanimated and his, you know, his father is finally there and is like, Oh, you're okay. And it's fine. And all is well. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I love his performance for Benito Mussolini. I think that only, it's it's so rich that like he wants to talk about bodily functions just like every other boy who decide <laughs> once they discover the way farts work and poop works they're like i want to sing about farts and poops all day and so he likened mussolini to just a giant turd it's great um i i thought that this death part was really probably my favorite part of the whole of 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 the the first part of the film um because she tries to explain to him that he's going to lose that time but like most things when you're young and someone is trying to tell you uh and give you some some piece of advice and some wisdom you're like ah it's fine it's only going to cost me five minutes now um and it it comes back to haunt him, right? And I love when he when he dies in multiple times throughout the film. He ends up going back, and these the rabbits are like, "Ah, oh, he's back." Well, go through that door and <laughs> flip over one of the one of the hourglasses. Let's see how long you're going to be here for, you know. Um, yep. Yeah, that's right. And as he uh, kind of makes his way through the story, and he gets kind of uh, put up against that uh, final death um, as cricket and geppetto are pursuing uh pinocchio of course they get they get lost at sea and swallowed by uh the whale or this big uh sea monster kind of in this this telling and pinocchio is just able to find them uh through some happenstance you mentioned michaela you know kind of these mussolini uh boys camp for uh you know, <laughs> Italian fascist youth that's where Pinocchio goes because they think that he could be a super soldier uh they know now that Pinocchio can't die he's made of wood uh you know he can he can do all these things uh he's never you know going to get tired he, he could be he could be the perfect little soldier but Pinocchio is not into that life because he says uh you know my dad Geppetto he told me that wars are bad and nothing good comes from them why do I want to do this um but some of the most kind of uh I don't I want to say breathtaking because there's a lot of really neat visual stuff that goes on in this movie. But um, just from a, a technical standpoint, you get this kind of scene at this camp where the boys are playing uh, this kind of makeshift uh, little war paintball match kind of a thing. Um, and you see, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, stop motion animation, uh, things like that. But this particular scene, I mean, there's, I don't know, 20 or 30 of these kids running around. It's like a full-blown war that's all stop animated. And it looks like unbelievable. Like I can't even fathom the <laughs> thousands, the thousands of man hours that it took for, you know, the the animators to get this thing uh yeah. to do that. That's unreal. Yeah, the choreography and the orchestrating of all of these moving parts is just mind-blowing. And that's why it was so neat uh, to see because we've seen some really great animated films this year. I mean, like we've talked about all of the 
the other nominated films are, are all wonderful in their own right. I mean, but this one really was very special um, in the in the look and feel and and really the set direction because because it is stop motion photography, you really had to build out all of that stuff rather than mm -hmm. just paint it. And I I I don't mean to trivialize all um, kind of the artistry behind some of the other animated films, but this was just very different. And I love that um, we meet again. We finally meet Candlewick uh, and get to know him a little better. Candlewick's Podesta's son. And he's like, oh, you know, he's also terrified of disappointing his father. There's a lot of like, I don't want my father to not love me in this in this film. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe this is a good father son movie for any of you folks out there. It's it, there's there's they they materialize and manifest uh, in very different ways. But Candlewick is like, look, if I can just be the perfect soldier like you, Pinocchio, if I could just do what you do, um, then then maybe my dad will love me. Um, but uh, he kind of gets. Uh, in well he gets in trouble when candlewick kind of refuses uh to shoot pinocchio right um mm -hmm. he stands up to his father and then you know you have that whole bombing scene that you talked about where there's a bunch of stuff and podesta's you know killed uh and candlewick is finally free of his dad's overbearingness but also he's really sad i mean there's it's a lot of big emotions for this being like a children's <laughs> story a lot That's of big right. grown-up kind of emotions yeah, definitely. It, it carries a lot of a lot of weight through those uh, stop motion uh, animated uh, puppets there, and uh, it's it's very beautiful. But yeah, Pinocchio ends up having to kind of flee uh, the section as uh, kind of everyone uh, turns on him there as uh, him and Candlewick uh, decide to tie that match, and uh, Candlewick uh, refuses to shoot him. So as Pinocchio is fleeing, uh, he ends up himself in the ocean, uh, which is very scary because there's a lot of uh, uh, crazy uh, water mines there because uh, you know now we are getting into uh, World War II. Uh, territory here so you have all that going on and Pinocchio ends up being uh, swallowed by the same giant uh, sea monster who's very creepy looking um, I really like kind of the design of this monster and then like the inside of the monster is just absolutely ridiculous right because the boat's in there there's like a there's like a fully like functioning like full-size lighthouse inside of this monster um, it's it's pretty ridiculous but pretty great but uh, you know the good news is uh, despite being swallowed by a monster you are reunited uh, with your dad and a uh, little cricket there so that's that's good you're finally able to you know kind of say you're sorry to your dad and your dad is able to say that you're sorry to you kind of all of these lessons um just really kind of mesh up uh here at the end and that spawns that final kind of death scene for pinocchio he uh you know gets swallowed by this whale he detonates this uh this mine inside of it um in an effort to you know help geppetto and cricket uh get away but uh he knows in the explosion that uh geppetto is not going to make it unless Pinocchio can come back to life quickly. Uh, but by this time, he's already he's already used up a lot of those sand. Uh, hourglass. The hourglass. Yeah, the hourglasses are, are about gone. So he has kind of his final confrontation with this uh, afterlife sprite. Um, and uh, Pinocchio gets to, gets to make a decision. Yeah, he has to decide. Um, he wants to be sent back early and death, this death sprite is warning him that, Hey, if you do that, um, you're going to become mortal and you're going to end up dying. Uh, and it's a choice that you've got to make. So you won't live forever. Uh, but Pinocchio, he's really resolute to save his dad. So he breaks the hourglass. And I love the way they do that because he kind of sinks into this sandy, it, the sand is black, which also is creepy. It's mm -hmm. really creepy. Um, but he breaks the hourglass and then it, it kind of 
sucks him down the way that it has been but the hourglass sand becomes the bigger sand and it's just really a visual treat to see um but he he ends up uh trying to save his father um and he gets his father kind of up uh you see this really beautiful kind of underwater um montage of him kind of propping his father up so he can get air but uh unfortunately pinocchio ends up drowning in the process so his father lives uh but he can't uh he can't bring pinocchio back to life because pinocchio has made the choice to be mortal and uh geppetto is then completely broken and really upset um realizing that he, he's not coming back there you know they've waited the 5 10 30 minutes that it's yeah. taken in the past and it's not uh it's not the same now and it's really the lowest of the low for this film you really are kind of like how 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 is this and of course at this point i'm very angry at guillermo del toro because once again he has ripped my heart out of my body and i'm really upset about it <laughs> yeah it, uh, he definitely has and and that particular scene i really um find hard to hard to watch as pinocchio um you know gives up his life basically to go back and save geppetto and you see him kind of swimming there but of course he had just been in an explosion so like uh like his arm is missing and one of his legs is missing and he's just struggling to try to try to get him back up there and uh but yeah he's able to get geppetto up onto the sand geppetto lives just in time to see uh pinocchio uh lose his life there and kind of that uh and that uh person exchange that pinocchio has made with the uh the the death sprite i guess um and it's it's really sad and emotional because geppetto never got to tell pinocchio that he didn't mean all of those bad things and uh pinocchio now has uh, sacrificed himself uh for geppetto so so it's really tough you're seeing geppetto kind of live out uh this loss of a son all over again but but luckily we have a trick up our sleeve uh by the name by the way of Sebastian J. Cricket. Sebastian J. Cricket, who has kept uh, kept his wish uh, in reserve. Uh, he thinks he has done a suitable job of being Pinocchio's conscious and uh, decision-making uh, gauge and all that thing. So when the Wood Sprite uh, returns to, I guess, collect Pinocchio to take him uh, to the afterlife, uh, you know, Sebastian... Uh, stands up and says, I have done all of these things. I have tried my best. And sometimes your best is as best as you can do. Um, and that is a lesson that we've learned a lot of times. Uh, Sebastian even says, uh, Pinocchio taught it to me. Well, I taught it to Pinocchio and he taught it to me, uh, which is pretty funny. But uh, that wish is going to be granted. Thank you, Wood Sprite, for that. She is able to bring Pinocchio back to life. But now Pinocchio knows he is he's a real boy now, but he's still made of wood. So, uh, you know, have to go have to go through through life. You get one more shot at this thing. Uh, but unfortunately, and probably the most heartbreaking of all of this, and, it's, and I mean, it's it's heartbreaking in a way because it because it's very sad because Pinocchio can't grow old. Uh, so he's going to, you know, kind of lose these uh, people that he's grown so fond of. But uh, all, all is good because he still has some years with these people to live and laugh and love. And that is uh, at the end of the day, that's that's all you can do. That is what our Death Sprite tried to teach us. Right. Don't waste your time with the people that you love. That's right. Because uh, you you don't have a lot of the you don't have a lot of sand, no matter what color it is. It could be black, creepy sand. It could be. Yeah, you, you, but you have a, a finite amount. Uh, finite amount um and yeah th and that's kind of how this ends right you have this really beautiful scene where uh carlo's uh gravestone has now geppetto's next to it because it's been some years and then of course um 
Spazatura, which is the the really cool uh, monkey. Um, Spazatura has 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 come to our side. He's he's friends. He's a he's a member of the family now. He passes on, and so there's like a little headstone for him. And then we see as the rolling credits um, that even uh, Sebastian J. Cricket finally dies. Uh, he finally dies, and he wasn't smushed. I, I he he died of like a heart attack or something we don't know what happened but it was a natural cause and old he's like age. <laughs> he's old cricket age and he is talking with the rabbits while they're playing poker and he's telling this story to them because they're doubtlessly wondering where the heck uh pinocchio has been uh because he kept coming in and leaving and and he hadn't been in a while and so sebastian is the one who's uh retailing regaling them with this story and um you know it's kind of coming full circle around hey life is a really beautiful thing and mm -hmm. you know you've got to uh you've got to really love the ones around you when you have them around you because you won't always and um yeah and that's how it ends and that's how it ends there have been a <laughs> lot of a lot of life lessons uh taught to us by guillermo del toro um in his uh, retelling of pinocchio so um Michaela, let's talk a little bit about this as i mentioned i watched this um back i think on the day that it came out or the day after it came out i was really excited uh, for it as a big fan of Guillermo de Toro's uh, films and kind of uh, his tellings. I really like stop motion animation. So I was interested to see how great it would look because by all accounts, it was going to look great. And by all accounts, it looks even better than you probably uh, would have imagined. And I think that that really makes a good argument for watching this twice because the first time you're going to be watching it saying how do they do that how does that look so good what are all of these things how did they build out these sets how did they get cricket to look so small uh, all those things and you can also watch a documentary about all that stuff on netflix but i think the first time you're just kind of taking it in you're kind of sucked into this world visually you're seeing all of the characters and things but i think really on on the rewatch what i picked up on a lot of myself when you and i watched this um you know just uh, last week to get ready for the podcast was how much stuff there is story-wise and lesson-wise uh, going on because kind of on its surface it's this father-son tale and you know making sure that you know you don't say things that uh, you know you're going to regret uh later and you know trying to trying to not be a burden we mentioned that as kind of this uh kind of recurring theme of that but really there's a lot and you know you hit on some of it with with Candlewick and his father and the lessons we're learning from cricket uh kind of throughout this thing as uh he's narrating it but I don't know Michaela you had you had the chance to see it once what were your uh kind of initial impressions I guess you talked a little bit about that at the at the top but uh what were your kind of takeaways of this one yeah at the end by the end of the story it's um it's hard to argue I mean this film is pretty it's it's really beautifully balanced, like you said. It's got everything that something that's nominated for best picture in general would have, right? It's got amazing characterization. The visuals are stunning. The story is great. The script is beautiful. Um, there's a lot of really, it's a great balance. It's got some funny parts. It's got some really heartbreaking parts. It really does what I love a film to do, which is change the way I think about things, right? This I think of my son differently that after seeing this film. I think of my, you know, my son's father differently after seeing this film. Um, I think of my dad differently after seeing this film. And so it's, um, all of that is uh, something that I feel is, characteristic of a great film um and so it 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 really did do all of that um it I was really glad it wasn't super dark I was able to show this to my son uh shortly after we watched it um and we watched it together and my son really liked it um and we you know of course he loved the poop 
uh, song as most eight-year-old boys probably do. Um, so, you know, I think he's he'll get some of the some of the layers to this as he watches it when he gets older. But I did mm-hmm. like that this was something that was. Um, as Guillermo himself said, you actually can watch this with your kid. You're just going to have to actually talk to him about it. Um, and imagine that, <laughs> imagine <laughs> what, have, you know, having to talk to your kid about something that you watch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that this definitely, uh, and, and I, I'm going to call it now when we do the, you pick them, I think this is probably going to win best mm-hmm. animated film, uh, for all the reasons that we've discussed, um, it's interesting to me because Guillermo del Toro has said that this is his passion project, right? He was in an interview talking about how, you know, animated films, um, and Pinocchio in general just meant so much to him growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really love that he was able to live that, uh, and create a story for that. And I hope that it, did all the things that he wanted it to do because he should be really proud of it. It's a, it's a pretty amazing work of art. Yeah. It's uh it's really, really kind of breathtaking uh, sight to be seen for sure. Um, and I really liked kind of the, the direction that this went setting it, you know, kind of in this, uh, just pre-World War II kind of fascist uprising and you're kind of able to play on on those tones as well I thought was was really interesting in terms of setting the story and how you wanted to tell um, Pinocchio's story because um, you know as we mentioned this was a book from the 1800s but there have been I don't know like a thousand different <laughs> different iterations of Pinocchio you know the Disney one being uh, probably the most famous and well-known of all of those but there have been a lot of these and uh, kind of everyone's interpretations of Pinocchio are are a little bit different right like sometimes Pinocchio is more of like this like like outsider like fringe kind of thing because he's not the same as everyone else um you know sometimes it's it's more fantastical and uh kind of the you know it really plays off more of his uh lesson of you know telling a lie and making his nose grow it's it's a little bit more kind of fantasy and fantastical uh story there but um kind of this one i think is a little bit more more somber and it's telling like pinocchio wasn't viewed as different so much because he was a little wooden boy he was uh viewed that way because um in all the ways he was different from Carlo. And I thought that that was, that was a really interesting uh, kind of way to frame it there with the backdrop of the um, impending uh, second world war. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's really good. Um, Definitely worth a watch. If you uh, have that Netflix subscription, Uh, you're going to want to make sure you get it watched, um, especially as we get into our Oscar time. So uh, speaking of Oscars, Michaela, we are doing over on our Patreon, uh, some mini bonus episodes for the best picture nominees. We've got two of them out so far. Look for a couple of those each week as we make our way to Oscars. We're going to get one for all 10. And that's the, you know, that's the best way to get some bonus Oscar coverage over on our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash drink the movies. You can uh, get signed up there for uh, extra bonus stuff and uh, all sorts of fun stuff. And make sure you're following along on our discord because we're talking about uh, these movies. We'll be doing some Oscar talking uh, over there, maybe some uh, watch along type stuff. I don't know. So make sure you get checked out into the discord. That link is available on any of our social medias. So at uh, drink the movies on Instagram, Twitter, and hive and facebook.com slash drink the movies. That's where you're going to want to go and check in on all the stuff we've got going on. And McKay, uh, what would really be helpful as we make our way to award season is giving us an award of five-star review if you feel so inclined uh where could people do that 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Good Pods, anywhere where Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Um, we do two drops a week, uh, not counting any of our Patreon stuff. And so if you like what you're hearing, leave us a review, tell your friends. Um, we are uh, really excited about all the things that we're going to be doing for Oscar season. It's a really cool time uh, to be doing the jobs that we're doing. I can't believe I wake up every morning and I'm so grateful that we get to talk about movies and, and drink all the time. It's great. Um, so join us. Uh, you know, you can like us, you can subscribe, you can leave us five-star reviews. It really helps us get all the drink the movie stuff out there and uh, which is really great during this time of year. So we appreciate it. That's right. Absolutely. And make sure you mix up one of these Pinocchio cocktails because uh, it was a really delicious one. One of my favorites that we've done here on the show. So uh, make sure you check into that and check out the website, drinkthemovies.com for pictures of ours and all that good stuff. But uh, Michaela, we have talked about Pinocchio now. We've got a, a couple more. I think you do for your animated uh, film watching. All, all in all, we have a bunch more movies to get to watching. So why don't we do that? Let's mix up another cocktail. Uh, we'll go see if we can check off a few more Oscar contenders and we'll be back to talk to everyone next time on drink drink the movies, the movies. ciao papa